How do you feel when your best team member resigns? Are you angry? You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. Maybe you're a little bit maudlin. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Why are you so hysterical? Do you understand life? Do you? Or perhaps you're mental as anything. Maybe you have to be a little bit mental for this case study idea to be so valuable. Welcome to the fifth the Don't Waste a Good Recession business case studies. Today, the spin-off solution in London, UK. If you leave me, can I come too? A little bit of background about this consulting company. Now, I need to keep their actual industry a little bit vague because last time I checked with my team in the UK, this company was still the only company in their industry in that country who were doing this and it was giving them a huge competitive advantage with recruiting and retaining the best people. But it's also a super common problem in any type of service business where your team's knowledge and expertise are your most valuable asset. And, and heck, this could even work in a trade business as well. So a bit of background about this company. They're a well-established organization, great reputation. I'm going to say recruitment. We're going to talk about them as a recruitment business for the rest of this case study. Uh, Ethan, who was the 100% shareholder, had run this company successfully for over 20 years. He had some specific industry reputation and a team of about 20 people. He ran a very tight ship and was very well respected for his processes and his ability to get those recruitment outcomes. Now doing that well for that length of time required expertise and being a process phase business with 20 people there was a lot of investment that Ethan made over the years in things like training, induction, systems processes to make the business successful. Now Ethan wasn't about to retire, the recession didn't interfere with that, but this business was his primary recruitment vehicle and his biggest frustration was key team members who kept reaching the top and then leaving especially when the Great Recession hit. The best time for commission or bonus-based people to leave a business is during a downturn, when they're not going to lose as much money by walking away. And so a recession is often a point where some built-up, some pent-up desire to leave the business really kicks in, and you often lose the best people during a recession because underperforming team members know they may not be able to find a job elsewhere. Does this sound familiar to you? You've got a great business, you've built expertise, you've invested in the team and yet great team members keep leaving. They reach a point where they can't get what they want out of your business anymore and so they leave you. How does that feel? You are tearing me apart, Lisa! So what solutions did Ethan attempt? What solutions have you maybe attempted if you have been in this situation yourself? Uh, you've probably tried many of the same ones that Ethan had before he came to my consulting team. Uh, you've tried bigger bonuses. You've tried putting in more incentives for longevity, uh, giving team bonuses for long service or giving them higher rewards for the time that they've been in the business. Maybe you start giving those experienced team members more flexible working conditions. They can start working from home or they start having rostered days off. These kind of perks for longevity 
which actually have the converse effect. It makes them and their expectations get higher and the rest of the team are often really annoyed now because they're not getting those perks that they see their colleagues getting. Now, one thing that Ethan had not done and was not keen to try was to make equity available. He knew that this was an option. He knew he had a successful business, it was valuable, that would lock in, retain some of those key people. But he did not want to cede control over his baby to all of these top performers. Even when he knew most of them were leaving his business, not to go and work for a competitor, but to open up their own shop because they wanted some equity, they wanted some holdings. Even knowing how equity-oriented some of these key performers were, Ethan was not keen to give over any control and make equity an option. So the current reality was this. We had his business, Ethan Recruitment Limited. Uh, he'd get these great performers. Some of them eventually would ship up. They'd go and start their own business. They'd start recruiting their team. They'd start growing. They'd face some of the challenges that a new business owner always has, uh, but they'd have that ownership, which is what they were looking for. And over time, more than half a dozen great performers had gone out and done this and opened up in competition. Not all of them had survived, but all of them had left his business forever. And that was a loss which was expensive and frustrating for Ethan as the business owner. So what did we recommend? And more importantly, what did we help implement and what were the results of that? My team understood Ethan's preference for control. And we understood the frustration of seeing your great team members become competition. Not because they stopped loving you, not because they didn't think your business was great, you were doing things well, just because they had their own commercial vision, their own goals and desires for business ownership. Ethan had always seen this as a choice between two options, dilute his ownership by giving or selling equity to team members, or if he wasn't willing to do that, lose those team members but we saw a third option. What if instead of those great performers going out into their own business, they stepped out into a joint venture vehicle? Something that was to start off with, majority owned by Ethan, but partly owned by that performer, and which gave a lot more control to those individuals. Then suddenly the top performers had this choice. Instead of stay in a job where I have no equity and therefore it's not going to achieve my commercial vision or quit the job and go and start my own, they suddenly were given two options for when they would invariably leave the business. The old way, what those other half a dozen individuals had done, was go and start a new venture. They were making no money at the beginning because they were a startup or were on the, their own. They had 100% equity and 100% control themselves. So they owned it all, but they weren't making any money and they had all of the challenges challenges that a new business creates. The new way, the new option, the joint venture option was that they would start with a modest but reasonable base income so they wouldn't suddenly go back to zero. They would only have 25% equity of that new business, not 100%, but there were achievable milestones and valuations put into the shareholders agreement to help them buy their way up from 25% to 75% ownership. So it was not something that was going to be out of their reach. If the business was successful, they would eventually become 75% ownerships and many of those returns were paid out of dividends. So it wasn't even them having to dip into their pockets. And yes, they wouldn't have 100% control. But remember, these are top performers who valued Ethan's leadership, his experience and what he could bring to the table. Having him have input into their new venture was a way of ensuring that their new venture would start and be more likely to be successful. So as a result of giving performers those options, 
We went from the old way where Ethan kept his company, but these competitors started popping up to a new way. The last time I spoke with my team in the UK, we're still working with this now group of businesses. Ethan had four joint ventures on the go. That's four top performers who achieved their career ambitions and their commercial vision while having to take less risk in order to do so. Ethan himself kept 100% control of his baby. So he didn't have to give up that control that he valued, but he now owns a small percentage in four other recruitment companies and counting. How do you think that's impacted his retirement plans? He's still got Ethan recruitment growing just as it always has and as valuable as it has always been. And he's now got these other shareholdings that have value. More importantly, how do you think this has impacted his recruitment strategy? When up and coming performers in the industry know that they can go and work for Ethan and they could eventually be supported into their own business if that's what they desire, instead of going to work for any of the other recruitment companies where they know it's entirely an up and out model. The most valuable lesson for me from this spin-off solution. Ethan had a good relationship with his accountant and lawyer. Both of them knew the problem. Both of them proposed terrible solutions. The accountant had looked at the numbers. That's what you pay your accountants to do. And the accountant said, look, it's going to be cheaper to pay your team more than it is to lose them. So the solution must be pay your team more money, which didn't solve the problem for the long term. It cost Ethan money today and it annoyed the other team members who were paid less. The lawyer had a look at the employment contracts. Again, this is what you pay your lawyer to do and acknowledged you couldn't enforce a restraint of trade against these, but you could withhold outstanding bonuses. You could be very, very strict around the employment greeting. And so the solution was to march these performers out the door when they quit, burn the relationship, and also create this backlog of people who were ready to leave as soon as their bonuses dipped, as soon as it wasn't going to cost them, like when the recession arrived. Accountants and lawyers often make terrible business advisors because the solution that we came up with came from understanding each of the people involved, Ethan and the nature of his top performers, in a supportive way, not in a combative way. Ethan wanted full control. Fair enough. His top performers wanted their own business. Fair enough. To the limiting beliefs and experience of those accounting and legal experts and to Ethan, just because he was a recruitment expert, not a business advisor, it sounded like there were always going to be two people fighting over the same limited resource. But that wasn't actually the situation. We saw that it was possible for everyone to get everything that they wanted and more. Even the accountants and lawyers got more work out of our solution. So for you in the coronavirus recession, what are the limiting beliefs in your business that may be hiding a win-win solution for everybody? Sometimes it takes a crisis to create an opportunity. Don't waste a good recession.